Welcome to another episode of Design and Style, a podcast for designers by designers, with co-host Dixie Willard of Dixie Willard Design and Rachel Moriarty of Rachel Moriarty Interiors. The Design and Style podcast is brought to you by the Design and Style Visibility Lab. The Visibility Lab is the only membership group that focuses on the latest strategies and tools to help you get more visible while showcasing your specific brilliance. We've got weekly online office hours with both of us, monthly topics, in-depth worksheets, and exclusive monthly trainings. Today on the podcast, we have Susan Winterstein. Susan is an interior designer, general contractor, and mom of five daughters. She founded Savvy Giving by Design in 2014. After offering to make over a local teen's room who had been diagnosed with cancer, Susan looked to her team to create a space that would provide her with the healing needed to help her fight through treatment. Today, Susan does a new room about every six weeks and is working on expanding Savvy Giving by Design nationwide. Susan resides in the North County of San Diego and runs a full-time interior design and remodeling team, Savvy Interiors. So Susan, could you please tell us a little bit about what you are up to these days with Savvy Giving by Design? Yes. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar with Savvy Giving by Design, we started a nonprofit about three and a half years ago uh, out of San Diego. And um, we are a nonprofit that makes over kids' rooms that are facing a medical crisis, most often cancer, but not always. Uh, We have had a couple of kids that have had tragic accidents that have needed to rework their spaces um, or uh, sudden injuries. Um, So we come in and we make over their space uh, to make their healing and hopefully affect their healing um, as they go through that process. So we have worked really hard over the last couple of years to kind of streamline our process and make it very turnkey. And my goal was to expand in 2018. And we've currently added about seven chapters nationwide to our nonprofit. And we're working on getting them all set up so that they can do what we're doing in San Diego as their own independent uh, board and under our umbrella um, as a group exemption in their states. So that's what I've been up to. That's fabulous. I look at Dixie. Dixie I know. Is You're speaking just, my love language. Really. <laughs> really are because Dixie, I'm, yeah, she, she, did, she does something very similar. Actually. Yeah. I've got a couple of different nonprofits here that I, that I work closely with. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the reward in knowing that the child's life is just going to be so much better yes. and easier. That family is going to be able to function a little bit better in that space. Yes. Makes all the difference in the world. Yes, it does. Susan, recently you had somebody that, a boy that was in an accident and became paralyzed and you just posted him surfing the other day, which I was like, oh. I know, right? Oh my gosh, so awesome. And all of the changes of somebody coming back home from recovering, you know, with a real wheelchair from the rest rest of their life, you know, had to do the same where she had Mm -hmm. a child that couldn't use the bathroom in their home. Yeah. had to go in and make it. Yes doorways bigger and stuff yes. like that. So it's just stuff that you really don't yes. think about that, you know, that they're new normal. You have to really yeah. make all the changes. And there's so much emotion tied to our spaces and especially our rooms and the places that we are in most of the time. And what a lot of people don't realize is 
with kids that are especially going through cancer treatment, the um, uh, time that they're spending in the hospital is actually very minimal versus the time they're spending stuck at home because they can't go out in public. And so what we're really trying to do is make their space super pleasing and comfortable and functional for not only the child, but the caretakers and how they're using the space to care for their child. So, you know, a lot of times when our kids have very small beds, we might go to a, a full or a queen size so that a parent can lay next to them and be there with them put in the right type of lighting, um, really focusing on the function that that room is going to have for that child, both in everyday needs and then wants, you know, what's, what's going to make it enjoyable. So circling back to Isaac, um, you know, his mom texted me and said, you know, it was one of the best days, um, you know, short of his homecoming. Um, but she said that that mural that you put on the wall inspires him daily to get out there. So we put a big, huge surf mural on his back wall that he had requested. And so just hearing those sorts of things and how the space can impact their drive to get better or their drive to heal um, and be comfortable in their space is extremely rewarding as a designer um, or for anybody, all of our savvy givers. I mean, I can't do this by myself. Certainly we have a whole community that pulls together and um, as they say, it takes a village. And so really everybody kind of pulls together and makes it happen. So what was your, what was your motivation? What made you decide to get started? Um, about three and a half years ago, I run a couple social media pages, um, and I love social media for that sense of community, how people can like pull it together in a crisis. And one of my pages was just a buy sell page that I had had for a while. And a friend of a friend had messaged me and said, can I post this schedule for a meal train for my dear friend's daughter who was diagnosed with cancer? And I said, sure. And, and, you know, as you may have heard at the bloggers conference, like I don't cook. So doing a meal on a meal train was not going to be advantageous. And I was like, how can I help? Of course you can post it. Does she want a room makeover? I don't know. Like, can I come do a room? And I, I really, you know, kind of tend to dive first and then figure out the rest later um, as I'm doing it. So she reached out and the mom said, yeah, we would love that. And, you know, I started to go fund me and said, okay, like, let's pull this together. And within a couple of days, we had about $6,000 to spend. Um, and my contractors all said, yes, we'll donate. And we just went for it. And it, it you know, at the reveal day when I didn't know how it was going to go. And, and I remember meeting with the young girl at the time, Casey, our first recipient and thinking I was more nervous meeting her than any of my clients, you know, like I, I just wanted to, this to work so badly for her and wanted to make the space like everything she had dreamed of that I hadn't really, um, you know, I, I was just so nervous. So, you know, we went over her, some ideas for her space and I didn't want to tell her too much because if I couldn't pull it off, I didn't want to disappoint her, you know? So I try to keep some of the elements a little bit of a surprise. And then after that first one, I was just hooked and I'm like, and I told her mom, who's very connected within the cancer community. And I said, okay, send me another one. Like, let's do this again. Like this, we got to do this. And now Susan Harvey, who's Casey's mom is actually on our board of directors and is our liaison for our families and stuff like that, that we, that we work with. So it's great. That's so good. One of the things yeah. that I know that a lot of designers have a problem with, um, it's kind of an internal struggle of here, I'm doing all this luxury design. I have all these skills that I'm using over here but I feel bad because I could be doing more. And I love that this gives right. them an opportunity to mm -hmm. do more. 
Oh, it, with any nonprofit, and it doesn't just have to be with ours. It's with any type of charitable giving back, whether it's seniors, whether it's veterans, whether it's homeless. Um, ours is tweaked ever so slightly a little different because we're really working with immunocompromised kids and kids that are injury prone right. and things like that. So we versus, you know, moving into a homeless and when you're doing the whole house, you don't have to worry about some of those functional things as much. So, but there is a huge disparity. I mean, we are fortunate enough to work with clients that love us and love our services and, and are willing to pay for our services. And there's a lot of emotion even tied up in that. But you do get a really healthy perspective on every day because we are people pleasers. I think all designers want to make people happy with design. And when you come into a situation where something is not perfect or something has gone sideways or you have a hiccup, you, it's such a reminder that that's fixable, that you can't spend too much time stressing about it because we can fix that chair or we can fix that sofa or we can redo this and we can throw money at it and we can fix it. And there are so many instances with these families that I work with where it's not fixable. You cannot, you, we're not curing cancer and we're not making them walk again. That is not fixable. I can't fix it. But you get such a healthy perspective of working in that environment and knowing what your skills are valued, but at the same time realizing that you can't worry so much about this over here. You have to have that healthy perspective and, that, and, and walk that rope of, I'm here to serve my clients and be the best designer I can be for them, but I'm also here to make somebody's life better who really, really needs it right now. It's not a want, it's a need. Right. So yeah, it is. And, and for whatever, I think it's super important to incorporate giving in any designer's portfolio. Oh my gosh. We just love you. Oh, you guys we are love so you. nice. Oh my gosh. You're just talking our love language all oh, over. Oh, good. Good. I also love that you got, you address the, the siblings too, because I think yes. that's so important. You know, I, I would imagine that they, all the attention gets put on one for yes. obvious reasons, you know, but, um, but you it's, it's a family that. dynamic. I mean, if, if I had millions in the bank, I'd do the whole dang house. I mean, let's mm -hmm. face it, you know, I would be at that yeah. extreme home makeover, like, let's yes. just do it. Um, but, you know, necessity dictates that we are there for the primary child, but we do allocate a secondary budget for the siblings because it is a family dynamic. I mean, this family is fighting together mm -hmm. and the siblings often, the parents are super worried and stressed out and the child obviously is going, um, you know, super brave and going through everything they're going, but the siblings oftentimes have a hard time even expressing how worried they are um, because they see their parents worried and then they see their, their siblings sick and they don't know how to help and they don't know where they fit within that family dynamic. So making sure that we're including them, that they're in this together and that they're all together fighting this uh, is super important to us because we want to make them feel special too. And that, you know, that their sister did get a whole brand new room and then they're still, you know, in their space. And a lot of times, like I said, we really want to make it a place where if the family is stuck home because their sibling can't go out, the sister's stuck home too, or the brother's stuck home too. And, and they have to make do in their space and we want to make it fun for them. So, yeah. So I like that we get to do the siblings. So smart. So and smart. I've been, and with the siblings, it's giving me an opportunity in San Diego to reach out to other local designers and have guest designers come in and do the sibling space for me, which yeah. really, um, it, again, it breeds to me that um, collaborative nature that I've been about you know, my whole life is I want to work together. I'm not out here to, you know, be in competition with anyone. I think that 
you know, we want to enhance each other and work together collaboratively. We're stronger than we are individually. So for me, having even Elena come and do uh, the last reveal that we did and do the siblings room was so satisfying to me because it was um, a, an ability to see somebody else shine in that environment and have that experience mm -hmm. and at the same time be able to work together for a common goal, which was really great. Yeah. yeah. And you're referring to Elena Arroyo of yes. Woodhouse Creek. Yes. Designs. Yes. Designs. She's yeah. right in my neighborhood. I know. And yeah. She's a, yeah. She's a great designer. Yeah. I'm so happy she's to great. see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. That is, that's amazing. So, um, what? Okay. Oh, I have a question. Okay. That video that you shared at the Design Bloggers. Yes. Is that available? Is yes. that something that we would be able to link to? Yes. It's the very first. Um, if you go to our website, it's okay. the very first tile on the far left, upper upper left. The very first one okay. it says "Watch and Share." That's yes. the yes. That that's is our such video. shareable content. I really yes. want to encourage anybody listening yeah. to the podcast um, to go, to watch that and share it. You had yeah. the entire room. Yeah. In tears at yeah. the design bloggers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How was that? Is that something I know you do your own gala event each year yes. at Razor. Uh -huh. Um I, I will I you know, we we talk about visibility here and right. you were so honest and transparent leading up to uh doing the Design Bloggers Conference, speaking at the Design Bloggers Conference, right. raising awareness for your um business. Right. Savvy giving by design. Um, I I loved watching you step into a bigger version of yourself. That if you have a you have a vision of where you want your business to go, and right. that means stepping in and doing things that are uncomfortable to you. You mean you like speaking in front of all my peers? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. I, that but, was terrifying. Know, yeah. It, I, but it was You did amazing. By oh, the way. thank you. Um, Thanks. and I'm sure that you had a lot of people, I, I'm, what was the outcome? Did you have a lot of people collaborate really with you? And we did, we got, we got quite a few people that reached out quite a few businesses. Um, I have learned through working my own business, my day job, as I call it. And then through this, that, um, you know, you, it's just follow through, it's follow through, follow through, follow through, calling people back, you know, kind of, um, there's always a lot of, uh, excitement in the beginning. And then as people go home and get yeah. back to their day jobs, you know, you remind them what they said. Yeah. And sometimes, so it's a hustle. It's definitely yeah. with nonprofit. We fight for every dollar that we get. We, yeah. it, you know, donor fatigue is real. Yes. Um, yes. you know, uh, nonprofit funding is hard. Um, it's the hardest part. The design part's easy, you know, implementing and meeting the families. I could do that all day long. Obviously that's my skill set. Mm -hmm. but fundraising and hustling and making those connections and reaching out to people, it's, it's a lot of work and it's not for everyone. Um, but fundraising is, is a, a really big part of what we do. And the more money we have, the more kids we can help. So, um, and, and, you know, the studies have, have bared it out, you know, the, the feedback we get from the families at what, you know, books and literary references aside of all the um, studies that have been done out there for caretakers and children that have benefited from ha having a space done and be functional and beautiful. That's one part of it. But when you hear from these families, like Caitlin Waite, who is our chapter leader in Mobile, we went to, I flew out there for the first reveal and the mom had pulled me aside and said that 
her daughter had been wearing her beanie from treatment for so long and, and didn't want to take it off, just felt very protected with it and everything, even though her hair had started to grow back. And that the week of the reveal, when we, she was putting the room together, she asked her mom if she could go to the hairdresser and get a, a cute little pixie cut. And she went and she started not wearing her beanie. And she used to be really afraid of inviting friends over to spend the night because she wasn't sure if I'm going to feel okay or if they'd have to go home in the middle of the night. And she's, the mom said now she's talking about wanting her friends to come over and see her new room and spend the night in her new space. And she's getting really, she's like coming out of herself from treatment. It was like a marker of, you know, I'm starting to get better and I'm starting to heal. And so I want my my space to reflect how I feel. And it was kind of a symbiotic kind of a back and forth. My space is getting better. So I'm getting better. And yeah. um, it was really powerful to listen to the impact that it has on some of these kids and how their behaviors change. Um, I had worked with a speech writer um, uh, to help me kind of outline my speech. And she had told me that she had lost her best friend in a car accident when she was in high school, but she was the driver. She was a drunk driver mm. and went to prison for four years. And mm. she said that the, she couldn't go back to her space anymore, that there were so many memories attached in that space that she couldn't live there anymore. And you think about these kids being diagnosed and living in their spaces and having this new normal to navigate and all the medications and everything that they need. And you want kind of a fresh start for them, right? You want something that's going to give them that uh, space to be in and heal and get better and create a new normal for them of what their life looks like. So, um, you know, so that's, that stuff's pretty powerful to listen to. I know, I know. that was a lot. I just dumped on you guys. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Sorry. Oh my God. No, it's ah. so good. I could listen to you yeah. talk forever and ever. These stories. Oh. Yeah. My, my biggest question is what would be your advice for someone who wants to get started doing the same thing? Well, of course I'd want them to start a chapter in their state, you know, because yes. what we tried to do, you know, when I, I was terrified of being a 501c3, honestly, because I've worked with nonprofits, you know, my adult life and schools and foundations and other uh, nonprofits that I've helped launch, and it's a lot of work. And it wasn't until I was a year into doing what I was doing that I uh, was approached by one of my clients who's an attorney and said, you know, I really want to help you, but I want you to do it in a different way. I don't want to just give you money. I want to help you become an official nonprofit. And so I said, great, you do the paperwork. And her and my husband got together and they did all, filed all the paperwork. Again, surrounding yourself with people that have skill sets you don't have, right? I don't want to sit down and like pile through legal paperwork. That's not my deal. So they did and they got us set up and I am the lucky recipient and that I get to kind of drive the bus, but I get to rely on other people around me to help um, pull it together, you know, as a community um, with a board of directors that we all work collaboratively on this and I get to um, share my vision and they support my vision and where I want to see this go. Um, because I really w think that there are strength in numbers and I think there are a lot of organizations. I mean, I'm not unique in doing what I'm doing. There's a lot of organizations that are out there and nonprofits um, alike that are doing what we do. I think what makes us a little different is that they're all designer run. I want designers that understand business that understand what an installation is, what under like that would treat these children as if they were their best client in the world, mm -hmm. that their highest paying, most valued treasured client that they have. Um, and so I want a consistency across the board of 
we're going to just do a little bit more. We're going to do a more designer quality space and we're going to come in and do, um, you know, a little bit more custom in this space than we typically would do maybe in a children's room, even for our clients, because who, I mean, realistically, you know, who drops $25,000 on a child's room, right? It's, it's unusual. So, you know, some of these rooms are pretty much valued at that at a retail market working with a designer. So they're a little bit more. So, by creating this coalition of designers and seeking out these leaders throughout the country, we're really trying to build a coalition that gets some national attention from vendors because my vision is we have all of these vendors that are out there that sell fabulous product and they're always trying to find ways to get their name out there and to get their um, product um, in different ads and things like this and placement on, on videos and TV and everything else. But why not make it a win-win where we're placing these products and you have national presence with all of these chapters across the U.S. and you get to say, hey, our like Revolution Performance Fabrics came to us. You know, they're donating to all of our chapters. But we get that because we're national. We, you know, we're not necessarily going to get that just for being in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So I want to make it so we can help more kids and then vendors are coming in and collaborating with us so that they get to place their product in the rooms and we get to use their great product that's aligned with what we're trying to do. And then it's a win-win for everyone, um, for designers, for vendors, for the children, obviously that's our primary focus. Um, so if anybody was interested, I mean, there are so many opportunities for any designer to go out there and do anything in any kind of nonprofit capacity. Like you said, seniors, you know, veterans, homeless, uh, you know, the um, uh, kind of linking the building, the houses, uh, Habitat for Humanity, um, obviously all of those great things. But if you have a passion for children or pediatric cancer, um, I have learned more about the pediatric cancer community as far as, you know, the funding. And I want to shine a light on that too, because nothing would make me happier than to stop doing kids rooms with cancer because we have no kids with cancer. Right. right. So yeah. I'm filling a need and I'm a very, very small part of their journey. But if I can shine a light on the fact that only 4% of the federal funding is there for childhood cancer research, I'm going to do it because that's my platform. That's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about saving our kids. I'm passionate about finding better treatments for them um, and making their journey a little bit easier. And luckily I get to use what I do best to do a child's space that makes them happy in a really dark time. So, um, you know, they can get involved in any way, but if they're serious about wanting to run a nonprofit and they want to take on that challenge and they want to have their own board of directors and run a franchise, we've made it about as turnkey as possible, you know, from everything from branding to graphics, to being on our website, to ment private mentoring, one-on-one um, -on -one coaching. This is what we need to do next, social media engagement, all the rest. So if there's a desire out there to take it to that level, then um, great. And if there's not, and there's a chapter in your state and you want to collaborate with that other designer, reach out that, you know, where this is definitely about collaboration and let's see what, you know, if you are really good at fundraising and you want to throw a designer, you know, party and the fundraising goes to help this chapter and you want to be involved in that, that's a, an amazing way to be involved. That's not necessarily running your whole chapter. So there are lots of ways to get involved that way. Now with, with being an affiliate chapter, does the whole process because I'm I'm assuming mm -hmm. at this point you've kind of fine-tuned the process from beginning to end. Yes. Including the fundraising and every you know, you mentioned the social right. media, but I'm assuming that the right. whole project has really great foundations for the process. Yes. And that's 
that's something that I would think to a nonprofit would be invaluable because you don't spend the time trying to figure it out. They can come to you, teach them what they need to know. Yes. The framework is there. And I want to make sure that we provide, again, we've created the wheel. Here's how you can create it. Uh, But you have to have the personality to be able to recreate what we've done here, but we've laid the framework for you. I've, I've, you know, explained what works in the past, what hasn't worked. Um, obviously, it depends on their own community and their area of town and everything else, right? It's, uh, all of those things play a part. But really, what we've tried to do is say, listen, this is how typically, these are the things we've learned over the last three years, and this is what's worked, and this is what doesn't work, and this is how my vision for it is, is that I, I don't want you being an extended family member for that family. You are there to serve a purpose and we don't want our families feeling as though they owe us anything back. This is a true gift. And whatever you do with this gift, what you know, when you're past this crisis in your life, pay it forward to, in whatever way you feel is appropriate to the next family. But um, oftentimes we find our families are just so appreciative and grateful that they always feel like they should include you and you have to draw that line and say, I love you and I wanna be here for you. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come back and do more work in your house. Like, I don't want to cross that line between profiting off of a gift that we gave. I don't take on additional work. Um, and they will ask, you know, will you come back and do my carpet? Or I love how you did this. Can you come do this for me? And I'll pay you for it. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's against our bylaws. You know, I, I don't want to cross those two over. I want to be really, really clear on what our vision is and make sure that we, every dime that we raise goes towards these these families, kids, and that um, it stays local. And that's the other thing too, is we're a little different than like um, leukemia and lymphoma society. You know, when you want to raise money for them or run in their race, you have to raise money and it goes to the parent organization and that parent organization distributes it, you know, across where it needs to be. These are all like independent franchises. These are all as, um, you run it the way you want to run it. If you want to do one space a year, 10 spaces a year, I'll be there to support you. Um, all the money that you raise stays in your own. It's completely separate from us. We don't benefit financially at all from having different chapters. This is just nothing more than wanting to gain a national presence so that it benefits us all. And so that we're all working collectively towards that common goal. So um, I I think it's kind of cool. And like I said, we're still in, in relative terms, we're still a baby nonprofit, really. We're three years into this and I'm only six months into having chapters. So you know, we're still learning as we go and we're refining and we're trying to make it better. And that's why I didn't want to onboard 25 chapters at once because I want quality control. You know, I want to make sure that what we're doing is efficient and that it actually works. And having gone to uh, Caitlin's reveal in Alabama, it was fantastic. You know, it was so rewarding to see someone else carry out what we were doing here in San Diego and another part of the country that I wouldn't be able to tap into. I wouldn't touch uh, or go to on my own. So knowing that that uh, transferred over there is, is very rewarding. Well, it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because when I, and I don't, I don't even know if you know this, Rachel, yeah. when I went back to school, to business school, I was actually majoring in not-for-profit management and leadership. Oh, wow. And I keep trying I, to get my daughters to do that. Sorry, it, but go ahead. Yeah. I didn't, they <laughs> long story. I didn't end up getting it, but um, one of the nonprofits that I fell in love with in Dallas was Dwell with Dignity. And they were right at that cusp Mm -hmm. of starting to have chapters in states and cities. And yeah, I love hearing everything you're saying because it was, it fell right in line with, yep, that's what you need to be doing. That's what you need to be doing. Yeah. 
I, I actually interviewed her before I started my Did nonprofit. Really? Uh huh. I reached out to her and she was kind enough to spend about 20 minutes with me on the phone kind of chatting. And she gave me the best piece of advice, which I've always told all of my chapter leaders, which is always pay for your painter. Yes. Don't use volunteer painters. Don't yes. use, you know, and so, you know, our one, um, our one, uh, I, I would say deficit in our plan is that so many companies have pulled back on financial contributions and they all want community involved. They want to take their team and do a team building exercise where they get to go down to a nonprofit and everybody gets to stuff jars or everybody gets to make something or everybody gets to participate in a hands-on way. And that's the one thing with our families I'm super protective of because we are in people's homes and not only their homes, we're in their rooms, in their bedrooms. And to have people that I don't know or a volunteer force of companies coming in and being in the room we can't really accommodate that many people, you know, an installation is really two to three people per room is all you can really have in there at one time to really do the job. So we really miss out on that company experience. So we're right now, I think we're really trying to focus on the non um, uh, donation based ways that people can get involved with our nonprofit. So it's not just about money, but it's about a series of 10 or so steps and trying to get a graphic together for that that says these are some of the things that will help us, you know, talk about visibility. You know, we want people talking about what we're doing. We want people liking us on Instagram. Let's get us to that 10,000 mark so that we will have more influence. And then again, vendors will look at us as here's Savvy Giving the Design, this national chapters that are influencing our marketplace. You know, let's get us that growth. That doesn't take any dollars. That just takes telling your friends to go like the page or going on Instagram and, um, you know, liking what we're doing. Same with our, our, our Facebook groups, you know, knowing somebody that lives in Alabama, tell them to go join that group and be involved and do a fund a need. Um, there are so many ways that we can grow our visibility and our presence um, to help more kids because the more visibility and presence, the more vendors that are coming in and some of these companies that really believe in our mission and want to donate and be a part of that. So those are super important things for me to kind of continue to hustle on and, and let people know that we may not have that company whole, you know, big volunteer experience like Dwell with Dignity does, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we, we do need people still to help in, in other ways that they can help. So, um, but going back to uh, the what Lisa had said is, you know, your painters and when you've got, you know, we're one and done when we come in and install, like I don't come back several times, like that reveal day is it like it has to be on point and we have to be done by three or four o'clock that day because I don't come back. So I don't want to know that my painter is going to be there and he's going to do a, a bang up job and get it done right so that I don't have to have them come back and I'm not waiting for a volunteer to show up at midnight after their day job, you know, to, mm -hmm. to get the paint and then have spots on the ceiling. And so I'm all for doing it as if they were your best client, putting the best people on the job. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a lot. I've thrown a lot it at you guys. It is a lot. I know I'm happy you did because we can... Good you know, we can share this out and highlight, um, as well. Yeah. And what is the group where you post the fund and needs? Um, it is. Yeah. So we have one main group on a page, right on Facebook, which is savvy giving by design. And that's like the mothership. Okay. That's the one that, 
uh, we realized when we expanded that I couldn't just have my group page host all of these other platforms. So I created Savvy Giving by Design. So I don't think we have very many followers, but you know, with Facebook, you know, the whole business thing, you got to promote, do blah, blah. So originally I had chosen before that to go out in a group page that was local to our community and grow our group so that I knew that when I was posting things originally, which I think it's changed a little bit lately, but that I could uh, get to the people that I needed to get, they would see my posts um, in the group. So we have Savvy Giving by Design San Diego, and then each chapter has their own group page in their region. And the thing that I like about groups is that if you know friends that are busy working jobs, you know, this and that going here, coming here and there, that believe in what we're doing, or you believe that they would be compassionate to what we're doing, you can add them to the group passively and not necessarily have to go ask them to like it or to join it. You can add them and then they can pull themselves off if they need to. But most everybody we've added has stayed, which has been great. So we have um, some, what I call our super savvy givers, which are a lot of our families that have been recipients in the past that have committed um, internally, nothing I've asked them to do, but that absolutely put an item in every single room we do going forward ever since their child's room was done. Like there's just this, this, culture of I'm just going to make sure that you know, on behalf of my child paying it forward, I'm going to have an item funded in every single room. And the funded needs have been key for us. I mean, those have been a way for our community to be involved, but they help us as designers so much because once I figured out that that they're willing to contribute in this way and how satisfying it is for them to see the items that they've purchased in the rooms and they can show their kids and it's interactive because they can do it with their families and with their children. At Christmas, I had a grandma say for a Christmas present, I want my kids to do fund needs for one of your rooms. Will you send me some of the things that you might need? Because I want them to show them pictures afterwards that those went in that room. And so for us, it's great because things show up at my store all the time, shipped to us direct. And it's like Christmas, we get to open up like, yes, somebody got this, you know, and, and they really don't last long up on the page. You know, they'll last maybe five, 10 minutes and somebody snaps them up. No. So, you know, they, uh, they help us and they help us extend the dollars that we raise from our fundraiser. It, it just pushes those dollars further and further so that we can do more kids. Otherwise, if we just relied on our fundraiser, we wouldn't be able to um, get to as many kids as we have. So that part's been great. Yeah. So yeah. anybody listening, definitely jump into that. And you guys make it so easy too. It is really funny when you post to fund a need, it's almost like an auction, except you're not buying, yeah. you're giving. It's like, yeah. oh, I, right? missed the, I, I, I missed it. I wanted exactly. that. I wanted to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I can awesome. absolutely attest to how you know, the last reveal you did, yeah, like the yeah. siblings room, I might think I might have funded a couple of items. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my little things on the door. The yeah. Or where's yeah. that little frame I said? You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's yeah. really, it is very satisfying. Yes. And it's yes. fun. It is almost auction, auction. Yeah. I want to get that one. I want yeah. to get that. <laughs> and we always try to keep them really doable. You know, I want to keep them doable. under $50 and just, you know, and, and people have been so generous in, and, in so wanting to easy. contribute. It's yeah. like, like yeah. a thing from Target or something yes. like that where yeah. I can do it right then and there as I'm yeah. thinking of it. Exactly. I don't have to, oh, let me write a check and send it in and, you know. Or, I mean? or donate. And, you know, the, the money feels, you know, we do need the money donations because it's hard to say, hey, who wants to, who wants to fund a need for three square feet of Cortex? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, we're doing a window covering and yeah. we need some window coverings. Who wants to fund? Yeah. That's not the fun stuff in my opinion. So yeah. we use our donation dollars towards that, which is still super important. But we have people that 
sponsor our artwork, our custom artwork. We have people that want to sponsor certain things each room. Um, but we do love it because it's a huge, huge time saver for us. Um, and, and it saves us our time and having to go out and, you know, source those things, buy them, catalog them, everything. So we catalog every single purchase. I mean, my sweet junior designer, who's like my right hand person, she, uh, she keeps impeccable records. So she keeps everything that was donated, everything that was purchased, everything that, you know, we stretch it all. And I'm, I'm constantly looking, I mean, it's not like a no budget thing. We want to make sure that we're making smart decisions for these rooms and not, we're not putting gold plated fixtures in there. You know, I'm not going to put high end bedding in a three-year-old's room. You know, I, if they're going to be thrown up on that bedding, it better go in the wash. Mm -hmm. So I want to be practical and I want to be functional and I don't want to be super high end to where it's not attainable. Um, because every dollar I spend on one room means less than I'm going to have to spend on the next room. And so I want to make sure that I'm rationing as best I can based on what the, the child needs. So trying to be smart about it as well. Savvy about it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's the perfect place to end it. Yes. Thank you so much. Susan. Thank you. I appreciate your time and everything that you do. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on and talking about it. You know, it's my soapbox and I could talk for hours. So I so appreciate it. Absolutely. It's yeah. seriously, it's, it's my honor. Awesome. Thank you.